0: the podcast. Uh, Let's begin with a a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, as we celebrate your resurrection this morning, may you allow us to bask in the reality of what resurrection means for us, for our lives, and for the entirety of this cosmos. God, as we go forth this week into this Easter season, may you give us new eyes in which to see the world, new hearts, new ears, new hands and feet in which to engage the world around us. God, we pray all these things through our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So often we want to go back to the way things used to be, right? You know, when injustice rolls its ugly head or when things just aren't going our way. Or perhaps maybe we mess up from time to time and we we, we mess up so bad or maybe someone else hurts us when it seems as if life has changed forever, we desperately desire for things to go back to the way that we Used to know them, Wait, right? We want to redo. I mean, I've been there before. I, 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 am, I assume that many of you have been there before as well, wanting the bad to flee, right? Wanting all the, 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 the good to remain, the cracks in our souls banished to the sea, but yet our pristine exterior to shine. This is what we do on social media, right? We kind of hide the, the cracks and we shine in front of the world. But yet we know that deep down, we know deep down inside that trauma, that damage and and, and pain cannot simply be erased as if it didn't happen. There are real world consequences for suffering. There's real world consequences for, 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 for what goes on in the world. Sin and death can't be ignored forever, right? We can bury sin and death, right? We can shove it down. We can uh, repress it. But true reconciliation and true restoration necessitates that we embrace the cracks, that we embrace the hurt and the pain. This is what we did during our series this year in the wilderness. True reconciliation in Christ necessitates that we embrace these cracks as they're being transfigured by the golden joinery of Christ's blood flowing through our very very veins. Legend has it that back in the 15th century, so you got to go back about 600 or so years ago, uh, legend has it that uh, Japanese shogun Ashikaga Yoshimasa, a a military commander in Japan, once broke a very prized... uh, Uh, tea bowl, a bowl that was made for him to drink his tea out of. It apparently had been a gift from China, and he uh, prized this very much. Well, he dropped the piece. It shattered. It broke into uh, multiple pieces, and he liked this tea bowl so much that he couldn't throw it away. He, He just couldn't get rid of it, and so he shipped this tea bowl back to China where it was made, Well, when this bowl came back to him, it was repaired. But it was repaired with these big, ugly metal staples, just kind of stapled around the outside and kind of gripped back into the inside. And so Yoshimasa, he was disappointed to say the least. He employed his best Japanese craftsman to search for a more aesthetically pleasing way to fix his prized T-bowl. This led to the ancient Eastern art form known as kintsugi. Kint in, 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 in Japanese meaning golden and sugi joinery. So uh, kintsugi, a, a, a golden joinery. This is uh, done by mending the areas of the breakage. You can see this in the picture that's behind me, okay? Um, it, it's, it's mending the areas of the breakage with a lacquer, dusted or mixed with powdered gold. This is a very revered and culturally sought-after art form in in Japanese culture. So much so, so that actually people have been known to purposely buy pottery, break them, and then use this ancient art form to put them back together. You see, Kintsugi treats the cracks and its repair as a part of its history, as a part of its antiquity Um, rather than something to disguise. You see, Kintsugi doesn't try to hide the flaws, but actually helps these flaws stand out, but with a golden significance. Speaking of things that are being put back together, the great theologian of the first century, St. Paul wrote this He says it this way in his letter to the church in Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. They are a kine creation. The old things, the ancient things have come along. They've passed along, and behold, the new has now come into being. Now, the word that Paul uses here for new is really something magnificent. He uses this word kinos. The root word is kinos. It's a word that we don't really have an equivalent for in English. And I think that in English, when we hear the word new, we instantly go to like a new phone, right? Or, or, or a new car. And so when we're looking at words like this and we hear Paul talking about the new, it can be tempted, we can be tempted into thinking that this is how Christ makes us new. As if God is just starting over from scratch. As if he's just getting rid of the old and beginning again with a brand new species of human beings. Right, just like we would do with a phone or a car. We we, we don't really tend to take our, I don't think anyone has the iPhone first generation anymore. We usually don't just tinker with it until we get it fixed and then use it for the rest of our life. It usually gets put into a landfill and we buy the next phone. Yet the Greek word for this type of new, this kind of new iPhone, new car, this shiny and showy new, is a word called neos. We actually get our English word neon from it, something that shines and is kind of bright. Neos is that new type of technology, that fast fashion, if you will. Objects that are showy and they'll hold our interest, but we will lose, you know, we'll lose uh, our, our, our fascination with them eventually. Kinos. the word that Paul intentionally uses here is categorically, it's, it's a different word altogether than, than this word neos. Uh, Artist and author um, Makoto Fujimura, he translates this word as new newness. He translates the word kainos as a new newness. Sort of like a caterpillar, right? A caterpillar becoming a butterfly, yet even more. As in, yes, there's a transformation taking place, but it's more than that. It's actually a transfiguration. Um, uh, Fujimura says, uh, says this in his uh, book, Art and Faith. Fantastic book, by the way, if you, uh, if you want to read a book called Art and Faith by uh, Makoto Fujimura. He says that kainos, in the way that Paul uses the term here in 1 Corinthians, is not just naming a new species of human, but it's a new concept of what a species even is. Did you catch what he said? It's not a naming a new species for a human as if we're now gone and something new is replacing us, but it's a new concept of what a species is even supposed to be. You see, as Christ breathed what the world thought was his last breath, death tried to swallow Jesus whole death saw that Jesus was a hundred percent human and said guess what I can get him I can get the Lord and the Savior of all things I can get him trapped inside and, he, and death tried consuming Jesus very body and soul and for a moment it seemed to work because when you read through the gospel accounts his friends were were sad Jesus had told them numerous times, I must suffer these things and then I'll build this temple in three days. But his friends were sad. His fanatics were disappointed. And his disciples were very afraid. All that they had been a part of over the last number of years had been broken, shattered just like a piece of pottery that fell to the ground you get the sense that they thought that death was having the final word, just as it had for every human that they'd ever known death was now having the final word. Jesus' life was taken away from him. This kingdom that he was talking about, this kingdom he was trying to usher in, seems to have failed. The revolution that Jesus started, this triumphal march into the city we talked about last week, seems to be all for naught. As their leader, the one who they called Messiah, was laying dead in a tomb. Abba, Abba, Papa, I can just hear them lamenting. Abba, Papa, how can things have gone this horribly wrong? How how can we possibly move on? Papa, are we next? Maybe we shouldn't have followed him. Can't things just go back to normal? Can't things just go back? To before we even met him. However, just as we were talking in the beginning about how we know that we cannot always go back and start things new, the reality was they couldn't go back to the way things were either. The fact is they had met Jesus. They had walked with Jesus all those years. They had learned from him. They'd ministered with him. They'd been seen with him over and over again. And if you continue to read in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, there were going to be very serious earthly consequences for these people putting their faith in this man. Yet as they were grieving, as these men and women were were, were grieving in the upper room or some even fled to Emmaus, as they were wishing that things could just go back to normal, as they were wishing things could just be the way that they always had known it, the Messiah, the Christ was descending to the dead. Yeah, remember we said that in, our, in, in the Apostles' Creed. We get this actually from, from 1 Peter 4.6 where, where, where Peter says that the gospel was proclaimed to the necros, to the dead. Where the eternal Christ, who appeared to be wrapped in the veil of darkness, draped in the arms of death and lying in the belly of the beast, And as he proclaimed this good news, I can picture him. This is how I picture it in my mind. I picture Jesus wrapped in the arms of death. But then the light just starts to slowly, slowly shine out from him. His light starts to shine into the darkness, begins pushing back against death, the death that was attempting to hold him down. We sang about this, right? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, hell, where is thy sting? Victory. And as the sun started to rise, and as Jesus' toes began to wiggle again, life slowly started to enter into his bones. Life slowly began to enter into his legs, up into his arms, into his torso, into his heart, and eventually into his lungs. These same lungs that were collapsed in the process of crucifixion are now filling. They're being filled again with breath, the powerful, the power-filled breath of the Holy Spirit opening his eyes and raising him from death's grip. Death thought that because Jesus was human, God was finally human, that he could swallow Jesus up and win the victory. But there was too much divine in this man. Jesus didn't just merely come out on the other side of Dem's attempted swallow. This wasn't just a resuscitation of sorts like, like when someone's brought in the ambulance to the hospital. Jesus, in fact, burst through it from the inside out. Just as a balloon that's filled with too much air, the sting of sin and death was filled with too much of the divine Son of God. The sting of sin and the sting of death was filled with too much of the divine Son of God as he trampled over death by death. Yet Jesus in all his humanness still remained, yeah? He was 100% divine. That's that's that homo, um, that that, that static union that we talk about. Christ 100% divinity mingled with his 100% humanness. He was resurrected. He was transfigured. But the cracks, right? The scars were still shown on his hands. The cracks of his human trauma still remained in his body. The shattering of his brokenness on the cross would still be a vivid memory burned in his brain, burned in the brain of his followers. Things couldn't go back to the way that they'd been, even for the Christ. But yet they shouldn't have. Because now these cracks were being filled with the golden joinery. You could call it the kintsugi of heaven's glory. Resurrection says that these bodies are good, blemishes and all. Resurrection hearkens back to that garden in Genesis when the creator looked at everything he made and said, it is very good. Though our very souls may crack, though our very bones may at times break, and though life on this side of eternity includes death in some form that we have a tough time understanding, there is a new newness being birthed out of Christ's resurrection. There is a new newness, a chiral newness in the middle of this one, being birthed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whatever it is that hurts, whatever it is that's paining you, whatever it is that stings, whatever it is that broke your heart or cracked your soul, resurrection says that transfiguration is possible and that restoration for the cosmos is inevitable. Resurrection insists that in conquering death, Christ is bringing something new into this world. Christ is bringing something new, and that those cracks in our pottery, those cracks in our soul, do not have the final word. Resurrection says that death does not have the last word. This is resurrection a new newness that isn't interested in simply throwing the old away. This is resurrection. It doesn't decimate and destroy in order to bring life, but rather puts the pieces of our brokenness back together. Resurrection is filling the cracks, filling the effects of sin and death with a lacquer, not made of a golden compound mixed with the dust, resurrection is filling the cracks of our brokenness with a lacquer made of Jesus' blood and his final, or actually I has to say, first breath in that garden. Resurrection says that we too in some mysterious way in some way that we cannot comprehend. Resurrection says that somehow, some way, that over the last 2,000 years, people have been joining on to this story, and resurrection says that somehow, some way, that when we trust in this story, newness of life and resurrection can be a very possible aspect of ours. My friends, the invitation this Easter Sunday is for us to simply allow that golden lacquer of Christ's blood and that first breath in the garden to fill in all the cracks in our bones, our bodies, our hearts, and our souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus, risen Son of God and the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, would you allow us to not simply want to hide the cracks of our interior and our exterior, but instead to allow the golden joinery of your blood and your resurrection to fill those cracks, to fill our souls, to fill our hearts with all the things of the eternal Christ, all the joy that comes with you and your resurrection. God, we pray all these things this morning and this week as we pray in the words that you yourself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation."